Guys, thank you, Beth. Uh, Beth is talking about getting, just jumping in and being involved. This is a simple way you can do it. I know many of you are already serving on the weekend, on Sundays, in specific ways. We are grateful for that. You're making a difference. Uh, others of you are on the newer side and you haven't yet begun serving. We do all kinds of things in the community during the week. This is specifically just for here on Sundays. And uh, if, you're, if you haven't jumped into that, it's a great way to meet fun people and to feel like you're adding to what God is doing here. So you can fill that out. Take it to the Welcome Center. They will be happy to take it from you. And here we go. Have you heard of the term EDDs? Anyone? Everyday drills? Anyone? No one in here? Everyday drills. I learned about this term from a buddy of mine who uh, played in the NFL for a few years. He was a wide receiver. He played for a couple of different teams. And uh, he said that there are EDDs, everyday drills, that you just never stop doing. It doesn't matter what level of success you reach in your sport or profession, you just never stop doing these fundamental drills. He's doing the same drills in the NFL on a day-by-day, practice-by-practice basis that he was doing in junior high Pop Warner. Because you never outgrow the fundamentals. You never get beyond the basics. And whether you're a doctor or a nurse or a teacher or a business person or an attorney or whatever, if you want to be successful in your field, you know that there are some basics that you have to keep after and stay on top of and keep training yourself. I played volleyball and I remember I drove down from Claremont an hour every practice to Newport Harbor. To, I played with Balboa Bay and they were very, they're sticklers on the fundamentals. And I remember having coaches just like drilling balls off my arms, trying to break all the blood vessels to toughen us up and, and just get us used to how this ball feels coming at us. And I was like, can't we just play? And he's like, no, and just keeps hammering balls. And then at the beginning of every practice and before every game, he would get us in a line at the baseline and the 10-foot line, and he would just have us toss a ball to the other person. So we're like... 18 years old and some of the better volleyball players around and we're tossing a ball, pass it back, toss a ball, pass it back. Just the most basic fundamentals of volleyball and you never stop doing those things. I think also of uh, Mr. Miyagi training Danielson, right? Wax on, wax off, paint the fence, right? So training and, and Daniel sitting there thinking, I, I don't want to keep waxing your cars and painting your houses. I want to learn how to fight. I'm getting picked on, and I want to learn how to defend myself. And Miyagi's like, take this. And he's like, wow, see, I told you, you know, wax on, wax off. I've been training you this whole time. These are the basics. These are the fundamentals. These are the things that you need to be successful. The best athletes, the best musicians, the best professionals in any sphere know that there are basic fundamentals that you have to stay on top of, continue practicing in order to get where you want to go. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Very practical message about what it looks like to to practice the fundamentals, to grow spiritually, and to receive wisdom from God. We're in this series called You Make the Call, Winning with Wisdom. And we're asking a simple question all throughout this this month together. We're saying, in light of my past experiences, present circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? Not, Not what's the 
popular thing, not what's the legal thing, not, not what even is the right or wrong thing, because some of us, we might not even be on the same page philosophically or theologically or whatever. You might be here for the first time saying, I don't think I believe the things that you do, Caleb. But that's okay, because we're, the question we're asking is, what's the wise thing for you? Given your past, given your present, given your future, what's the wise thing for you? And today our, our two verses to kind of get this ball rolling are from Proverbs chapter 3. It's simply this. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. What's the wise thing to do? Trust God with all that you know how to. Don't lean on just your own understanding, your own intellect, your own experiences, your own smarts. Don't lean just on what you think is the right thing, but submit to him and say, God, what is it that you want for me? Because we know, we all have had experiences where we've leaned on our own understanding. We've been really sure about something and have leaned on that assurance and it actually wasn't right. I asked Hillary this week, I was like, Hillary, give me an example of a time, this might be hard for you to think of, but give me an example of a time when I was really confident and yet really wrong. And she was like, oh, I've never, I can't think of anything, you know. <laughs> no, she literally laughed and said, how many to choose from, you know. But we were watching football and so the first thing that she, that popped into her head was, oh, what about the time when we were flying back from Seattle on a jet blue flight and you were so sure that Richard Sherman was sitting in front of us. The best cornerback, you know, in, in the NFL who plays for the Seahawks. And, and I, I was very sure because I, I had walked in on the, the ramp and I had seen him with his dreads and he didn't wait in the line that I waited in. He got special treatment and he came up with his bags and I saw his bag and it had an NFL emblem on it. And then I saw that he was decked out in all Seahawks gear. And it was like the real Nike Seahawks gear. And then I looked as he took a step and his bag kind of shifted places. And the tag, you know, the, the luggage tag with his name on it kind of came into view a little bit. And I could see most of the word Sherman. And I was like, for sure, this is, dread, this is Richard Sherman. And I was a new Seattle Seahawks fan. I, I didn't grow up up there, but I was adopting them as my team because Pete Carroll went to coach them, and Hillary's whole family's up there, been loving the Seahawks for years. And so I'm thinking, it's Richard Sherman. You're going to be so pumped. It's Richard Sherman. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. It's Richard Sherman. I'm so confident. A little kid walks down the aisle with a Seahawks hat on, and I said, hey, kid, that's Richard Sherman up there. Little kid goes back, gets his seat, opens up his backpack, gets out one of his like po little small poster kind of things and walks it up to the front of the plane and asks fake Richard Sherman for his autograph. I don't know what transpired, but the dude signed something and the guy came back and I'm like, see, it's Richard Sherman, Hill. And so we go to the, you know, after the plane lands and we go to the baggage carousel and we're standing there and she does the celebrity photo thing where you're just like, tss, you know, and you kind of like walk and you give like a different angle in case you miss it and you're like, tss, tss. And, uh, and she does that and she gets the picture and then she puts it on Instagram and like, Richard Sherman is on our flight. And then literally like 
42 messages just trounce us. All the diehard Seahawks fans in the Pacific Northwest that know Hillary are seeing her Instagram post. They all come back like, that ain't Sherm. What are you talking about? That looks nothing like Richard Sherman. Besides, he's over there playing a game right now. And I'm like, come on, that's too, you know, what? In my mind, I had reasoned it all through, dreads, Seahawks gear, luggage. I mean, it had to be Richard Sherman, and sure enough, it was not. You know what it is to lean on your own understanding, to be really, really sure, and yet at the same time, actually really, really wrong. And so we have been in those situations, we understand that, and because you're here on a Sunday, even if this is the first time you've been in church in years or ever, I'm, I'm just kind of going with this thing that maybe because you're present that you are open to the fact that maybe God has some wisdom and guidance for you. That perhaps, if maybe you have a relationship with God or maybe you don't, but you're open to the fact that maybe God would want to guide you, that maybe God would want to steer you, that maybe he has something to say that would be relevant to your life. And so maybe you're like me and you say, God, I want your guidance. Maybe I haven't asked for it before. Maybe I've ignored it before. Maybe I haven't known to even ask for it before, but I want your guidance. I want my life to go better than it has been. I've been doing things on my own, and it hasn't really gone that well. I've relied just on my own understanding, and I keep getting in trouble. I want your guidance. So maybe you're there, but you're at the same time, you're thinking to yourself, but how do I get it? Does he just kind of drop it on me? I mean, is, it like a, is there like messages on billboards? Is someone just going to come up and whisper something in my ear that I've never met before, and it's going to change my life? Like, How do I get this guidance? And the people are at different ends of the spectrum on how they view this. There's some people over on this side of the spectrum that they don't think there's any personal responsibility involved, that God is God and he will just drop wisdom at the appropriate time. They just go about their life with the remote control, with their devices, with the direction that they are on. And God, if you want to direct me, you direct me. But I, 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 I have no part to play in this. You, God, you just do it. And then there's other people, some of us in this room, who are more on the other side of the spectrum, which is you're like a self-made person. You just pick yourself up by the bootstraps. You just make stuff happen. You can't count on anybody in this world, so you've lumped God into that. And you're just like, I am going. I'm smart. I'm capable. I'm learning from my mistakes, and here we go. God, I don't know about that. I just think you're, you know, there's practical brain that you put in my head, and I'm just going to use that. But there's somewhere in between where God would say, I am the source of wisdom, and I want you to do something about it. It's a both. God does give wisdom. God does impart. God does guide. And there's a role for you to play too. You participate in this. There's a walking of the path that you have to do. And so that's what we're talking about. It's it's this both. And we're going to talk about four simple habits that could really change everything. Because it's habits that lead to path. It's habits that lead to pattern. It's habits that build a life. Dostoevsky, a Russian novelist, said a long time ago, the second half of a person's life is determined by the habits they acquired during the first half. The second half of a person's life is determined by the habits they acquired during the first half. As you hear that, as you, as you think about that, consider your own habits. Consider the habits that you've built that you're proud of, that you think are taking you in the direction that you want to go. 
the good patterns, the healthy things that you've made, the things that you do on a regular basis that are helping you get to where you want to be, whether it's financially, whether it's health-wise, whether it's in your place of work, whether it's to maintain healthy relationships. There are habits that you are intentional about that are helping you go in the direction that you're going. Now, if you're courageous, consider the habits that aren't helping you, that are hurting you, that are slowing you down, that are tripping you up. These are the habits that you just kind of defaulted into. It's not like you really went out of your way to go and like build these habits into your life. These are, these are the negative, unhealthy habits that you just kind of fall into. And they're the things that are helping keeping you from the path, that are making your path look a lot more like this, all windy and here and there. Because here's the thing, we all default to the negative. We've been talking for the last couple of weeks about how if you just picked up your feet and went with the current of culture, you will end up someplace you don't want to be. If you just pick up your feet and you go with the flow in this life, in this world, in this culture, you will end up finding yourself in a place where you do not want to be. If you want to walk the path that God has for you, the path that he's uniquely marked out for you, you have to be intentional. And you're going to want to build in some healthy habits, habits that help you receive guidance and direction and wisdom from God. Simply that. And as we talk about these habits and we talk about building habits, they can be intimidating. They, they, they can feel scary. And that's why one of my slogans is, because I know a lot of people and I know myself, some of us are going to have to lower the bar in order to raise our standards. You know what I mean? Because some of us have these high, lofty ideals and, and standards that we think we have for our life, but we don't measure up to them, and so we end up just not doing anything at all, right? You, you have a high ideal for what you should do work-wise or how much money you should make or how your marriage should be or how this thing should be in your life or the kind of car you should drive or whatever else, and so your, your standard is so lofty that you get paralyzed or you get disappointed, or you get frustrated, and you don't do anything. And even though you think you have such high standards, your, your standards are actually way down here because you're not making progress. Some of you need to lower that bar in order to actually make some progress, actually go in the right direction. Just take a simple example. If someone wanted to lose 100 pounds, they can't say, I want to lose 100 pounds in the month of October. That's stupid. But if they want to lose 100 pounds, you start with a monthly goal of, say, I want to lose eight. I want to lose eight pounds a month. You know, in fact, in, I want to lose two pounds a week. And then you just scale that back once more. You do, I want to lose one pound by Wednesday. Now you're like, okay, I can, I can, I can get my hands on that. I can lose a pound by Wednesday. But when your bar is up here, I need to lose 100 pounds. You think that you're impressive, but it's actually paralyzing you from doing anything at all. I did some consulting for the YMCA uh, years ago when we were living in Washington State, because in Washington, the YMCA is like equinox. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's fancy, it's nice, it's where people want to be. It's all gloomy and rainy up there, so if you have kids, you're dragging them to the YMCA. It's like, pay whatever I have to pay, I'll pay it, because it's raining outside, and I want to be in here. And so I did some consulting for these Ys up there, and I remember being in one particular Y, and I ran into a guy, let's call him Ron, and 
And Ron, I watched him uh, do some uh, similar pattern each time he came to the gym. I saw him about three different times over the course of two weeks, and I recognized that he would come in and he would sit down at the pull-down machine. Bar that looked something like this, and he would kind of pull it down. But it wasn't smooth, it wasn't graceful, it wasn't great form or fluidity. Uh, he was a little bit jerky with it, and he did two sets, and then he, in between, he kind of wiped his forehead with his towel, and then he got up and he went into the locker room and sat in the sauna because he was done. Each time, I saw that pattern. And so after the third time, I'm there. I'm doing some other stuff, but I thought, I, this is, I'm just going to talk to Ron. Ron, tell me about your workout routine, dude. He goes, oh, well, let me tell you. This is great. So I, I usually show up at about 9.30 in the morning, and I, and I come in, and I do the pull-down machine. You know what, which one that is? I'm like, yeah, Ron, I know which one that is. And, and he's, well, I, 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 do, I do two sets of 10, and then I go sit in the sauna. And that's your workout? That's my workout. I'm like, that's okay. Um, you think maybe you want to ratchet it up a little bit? Like I have some, I have some suggestions, maybe some, some, some next steps for you. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I'll get to that. I'm, I'm, I'm close to taking my next step. But if you would have seen me last year, you'd be amazed at how much progress I've made. He goes, in fact, just last month, I was only doing one set of 10. And, and before that, I didn't even want to set foot in the gym. I felt like the moment I set foot in the gym, people made fun of me, and I just didn't belong there, and it was a worthless thing. And anytime I tried to do any exercises, my body just hurt. But I found this exercise. This doesn't hurt. So I've been doing that, and I started with just two reps. And now I'm up to 10 reps two times. And I was like, way to go, Ron. You're the best. This is awesome. He had me inspired. And then I go to tell some YMCA staff person, I was like, you know Ron? Like, the guy that does the pull down? Yeah, that Ron. Yeah, that's the guy. He just told me his story and how he didn't used to do anything, and now he's doing these things. And this woman who had kind of been with him on his journey was like, I know. Isn't it great? I was like, yeah, it is great. And he goes, she goes, you know what, Caleb? Do you know what the world's greatest exercise is? And I was like, pull downs? Is that, is that, is that where we're going with this? And she's like, the one you'll do. The world's greatest exercise is the one that you'll do. Start there and build. Ron started there. He found one thing that didn't hurt him, and he went from two reps to 10 reps times two, and he's still building and he's still pushing himself. Because, friends, habits, any habit, even our spiritual habits, are like exercise. We're building muscles. We do, little, we do little weights. We do little amounts of reps, but we just keep showing up, and we keep doing it, and we keep building, and then we do a little bit more, and we stretch a muscle, and we gain strength. And before you know it, you've built some actual muscles. I'm, t- I'm done. I'm tired. That's all. That's all. That's... You think that was like eight reps. Times three services, people. I've put in work this morning already. Habits are just, are just like exercise. They're just like building your muscle. You don't have to be a super saint. Start with something. Build a habit, something that you'll do, and then see what God does and see how it keeps building because habits are also uh, like money. If you take some real monopoly money and you say, 
and you say, I'm investing, I have $100, and I'm going to invest this. I'm going to put it somewhere. I'm going to invest it uh, in my Ally savings account, and I am going to, every week, I'm going to add $50. And the interest rate is like 0.025, but it's going <laughs> to, nonetheless, I'm going to keep adding to it. And I'm going to keep building. And week after week, I just put a little bit more in and a little bit more in. And then, and then I, get, I got a big payday from, uh, from a sales commission, you know, and I give some away. And then I spend what I, and then I save. And I'm putting some of it in here. And this is my routine. And I, what happens to your $100 over time? It compounds. It builds. It increases. It multiplies. And then you find you're a few years down the road and you look back and you're like, remember when it was just $100? Now I've got like $2,500. Now I've got like ten grand. It's just continued to build and compound and the interest over time has done this. It's the same with your habits. Habits are like compounding interest. You just start with a little bit, but you keep doing it. And then you get a few years down the road and you look back and you can't even remember, you don't even recognize who you used to be. You're like, those simple little habits that I ingrained in my life have made me into a new person. So we're talking about some spiritual fundamentals for the next few minutes this morning. Everyday drills for receiving God's guidance. Everyday drills that you can do that will build spiritual maturity into your life for the sake of walking the path and receiving wisdom and guidance from your God. The first habit is to read it. And I'm talking about the Bible. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. We believe that the Bible is more than just like a reference book, more than like a history book or a science book that you studied in school, that is different from that, that that there's something different about this Bible, that, that, that God has inspired it as his message of his redemptive story of how he has come to rescue humanity. And it has persevered, it has endured, it has survived for years and years and years and centuries and centuries and and thousands of years. And not only has it survived, but year after year after year, it continues to be the most purchased, the most read, the most quoted book in the history of mankind. Not just back then, in 2014, it's still the same. There's just something different about this book. And even though it gets so much attention and so much scrutiny, it just continues. There's more proof of it. There's more proof of historical things all the time. I mean, it's just just amazing, this book. And some of you have said, well, I've tried to read it, and I I started in Genesis. I thought, you know, this is how we read. We read straight through things. And and I got stuck after, like, 15 minutes. I didn't want to read it anymore. And that's okay. If you're in that department, but start in the front part. Start in the New Testament. Start by looking at the person of Jesus because the New Testament sheds light on the old. It's not that the old is irrelevant or done with. It's just that the New Testament brings perspective and and it shines light on the mysteries of the old. And so start with Jesus. Start with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, the, the gospels that just talk about the life of Jesus. Start there. Just read one story at a time. Just consider that. If, if you're of the digital age and you can't pay attention to anything longer than 12 seconds, uh, get an audio book, download the Bible on your iPhone or on whatever, and, and listen to it on your commute. Get it the CD or whatever. Start in the New Testament. Learn about Jesus. Let it speak to you. Start with accessible, easy steps. 
And then what I do, I would encourage you to kind of make a habit out of this, is if you have an actual Bible, put it somewhere where you see it on a daily basis. Some of you have it on your nightstand by your bed. I would recommend not reading your Bible somewhere where you're horizontal. Uh, I've found, I found that that doesn't last as long, and you're, you know the best goals that you can set are often thwarted by sleep. Uh, so... Put it, put it next to an, a chair and go and sit in the chair and just read it for five minutes. Read one little piece of it. And, and here's the, one of the ways that I think about it is I read it, then I receive, then I reread, and then I respond. So I'll read it. I'll say, God, is there anything for me? Are you speaking to me? Is there anything for me in with this little bit that I've just read? And then I'll reread it again. And I'll listen, and I'll ask the same question. And if maybe sometimes something will pop off the page or, some, or I'll just kind of get this prompting or I'll feel convicted about something. And, and sometimes I won't. And then maybe I'll reread it one more time. And then I respond and I ask, is, is there something I'm supposed to do? Is there a prayer that I'm supposed to pray? Do I need to confess something that's come to mind? Do I need to call somebody? Do I need to, do I need to take a next step? It's as simple as that. Lower the bar to actually raise your standard, to go in a positive direction. Start by reading it. The second thing is to receive it. And I'm talking about wise counsel. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. What are you trying to do right now on your own and you're not asking for advice or help? Where are you just relying on your own understanding? You can't be wise without other people. God gives wisdom, oftentimes, through other people. Don't go it alone. Uh, If you're newer to this community, you might not have heard me talk about the fact that about eight or so years ago, I went through a divorce. Uh, Not proud of it. I don't recommend it. It was the low period of, it was a low, low time in my life. But after that, I had some friends that came alongside me. They were about 10 years older or whatever. And they said, Caleb, you obviously don't know how to do that marriage thing, really. And so um, when you're picking your wife this next time, um, we want to sign off on this decision. Part of you is like, what? That's, that's controlling. What kind of weird religious sect are you that's you're trying to control people's lives? And, and there was part of me that was like, what? Get, yeah. But I looked at them and I was like, these are the five guys that are like older, that have, gone, that have known me my whole life, that, that just love me. And I have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that I know how to really mess up a marriage. And they're older and further and in healthy marriages. Okay. Okay, I'm in. And so, Hillary, when we started dating and hanging out, I was like, uh, I got some good news. Uh, there's people that really care about me and my life, and, and uh, uh, bad news is they might grill you. Uh, so, uh, you, but you'll probably get a free dinner out of it, and then we'll see which way it goes. And so, <laughs> she, uh, she had to run the gauntlet, and, and so these five couples... Uh, they all met with Hillary and had to sign off and wanted to make sure that I was in a healthy place and thinking about things right because obviously I've been known to screw stuff up. So uh, that was a place where I just kind of subjected myself to wise counsel. Another area that still happens to this day is uh, in terms of leading this church. 
Um, there is a senior pastor over the Mariners network of churches that has been a pastor for 30 years, leading a church for 30 years. It's seen a lot of different changes, a lot of different dynamics, a lot of problems, a lot of great things, a lot of growth, a lot of things like that. I've been leading a church for two. So I figure as much time as I can get from this mentor, as many questions as I can ask, as much as I can just kind of soak up and learn from, I want. And so we've built a regular habit and pattern out of it. And every Wednesday for two hours, I just sit and ask questions and learn everything that I can. I want to know the whole story. I want to know why he made some decisions that he made. I want to know how he looks at finances for the church and personally. I want to know how he hires and and how the staffing thing works and how to mobilize volunteers and how to prepare for the next season of growth how to find the next location, all these kinds of things. I want to learn everything I can because he's been there. He's wiser than me. He's walked the path ahead of me, and I want to learn. And it's one of the ways that God helps us stay on a straight path instead of having to make all the wrong decisions ourselves. We read it, we receive wise counsel. The third thing we do is we whisper for it. I'm talking about prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Some of you pray periodically. Uh, Some of you pray once in a while when you feel obligated when there's food in front of you and you know that person typically prays for their meal, so you do the awkward wait and pause thing, like, are we going to, do we have to, are we going to, you know. Uh, But what if you pray just continually all the time? What if it was just like breathing? What if it wasn't some formality that you had like prayer times? But but, but what if if it became a habit of just kind of constantly whispering prayers to God? There's a great story in the book of Nehemiah, one of my favorite books of the older part of the Bible, when uh, Nehemiah is working for a king and he comes before this king, the most powerful person, it'd be like the president of the United States. He comes before him and the king notices, hey, something's wrong with you, Nehemiah. You're not the same kind of chipper, cheery guy that you typically are. And Nehemiah's like, yeah, well, all my people are back home struggling because their castle, the, the, the walls are all come down and they're vulnerable and they, they can't build up. These are the people that I love and care about and they, they, they have no future unless there's protection in a wall. And so I... I, I I just am sorrowful. I'm just sad. I'm burdened for them. And so the king looks at him and he says, what do you want? He says, what do you want? And then the Bible says, I prayed in that moment to the God of heaven. And then I answered the king. So imagine you're face to face, knee to knee with the most powerful man that you've ever heard of. And he gives you this golden ticket and says, what do you want? Nehemiah's response because of his habits, because of how he had trained himself, is not just to get all uh, you know, jittery and think of anything that he can think of and money and food and whatever. But he prays to the God of heaven, God, give me wisdom, because I'll probably say something dumb. God, give me wisdom because this guy is powerful and I don't want to screw this up. God, give me wisdom because you love your people that are in this chaos more than even I do. I want to help them, but you, you must want to help them more. So give me wisdom and give me favor with this God. He whispers a prayer. He whispers a prayer. Where should you be whispering prayers? Before you walk into that counseling appointment? God, I'm smart and I'm educated, but you got to speak. You Only you can heal this person. Into the boardroom? 
God, these, these decisions impact a lot of people and jobs are on the line and money's on the line. I need your wisdom. Before you go into the classroom, God, I'm a trained professional and I've prepared, but this is the next generation that you've entrusted to me. Will you do miracles in their lives? Whisper prayers. Before you go into confrontation with somebody, you know that they're upset about something. God, give me peace. Give me patience. Allow me not to react in anger. God, guide me. We whisper prayers. Before you even go into a situation where there's anxiety, where there's nervousness, maybe where you've been cavalier in the past, and you just say, God, give me wisdom. Help me to represent you. Guide me in this. I can't do this on my own. And then the final habit is wait on it. I'm talking about God's Spirit. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. God has a tendency to respond to our prayers in one of a few ways. He'll say, he'll say yes, he'll say no, I got something different for you, or he'll say wait. And oftentimes what we do in the wait is what really leads to maturity and wisdom. We're going to talk about that next week. But for our purposes now, are you willing to wait? Are you willing to wait for that prompting, for for that guidance from God? Or do you just default to my own understanding, my own understanding, this is what I want to do, this is the speed I want to go at? Are you willing to wait? We believe that there is a God who came and put flesh on and lived and died on a cross, was buried in the ground, rose again, and then went up to heaven as if to say, hey, I am dying for all of your sin and everything that you've ever done. It is forgiven. And and he came back to life in order to give you new life. And then when he went to heaven, he said, I'm coming back. In the meantime, my spirit will stay. So we believe that there's a spirit of God that's just like operating in and through and around all of us all the time. And even if you haven't recognized it yet, you've probably experienced it in some way. Some may perhaps kind of a, a weird thing that kind of comes up on your spine as you're just sitting here singing. You're like, there's something here for me. I think God's trying to get my attention. Or, or maybe you're about to take a step into some new direction and you have this check, you have this pause. It's like, ah, oh, this isn't right. This isn't right. Maybe you do it anyway. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're in a moment and it's a pressure-filled moment and there's a lot on the line and you have no idea what to say and then all of a sudden you just say something and you're like, that was not for me. I've never even thought of that before in my life. There's a spirit that's, that's still here. There's a God who is everywhere and he is wanting to whisper, wanting to guide, wanting to direct, wanting to help make your path straight. I wanted to just not tell these things, share these things, or write these fill-ins, but also give you a moment just to practice and just to see. Some of you I recognize or you haven't been church people for very long. You're like, I don't know what this is about. But if you would just consider, if you would just try and just see what happens, I want to just leave a minute right now for us to read something and then just to wait, maybe whisper something to God and just see if he speaks to you. It's okay if he doesn't. Maybe he will later. Maybe this morning is just a time to really, for you to just say, yes, I am willing to be guided. Or maybe he'll surprise you. So let's do that. Let's just take a moment. God, we invite you to speak. We want your guidance.